Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that believes there's no time like the present to learn about the past. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're looking at a landmark victory for women's rights in Canada, the day when a prejudiced tradition was defeated and women were declared eligible to serve in the Senate of Canada. The day was October 18th, 1929. Canada's highest court of appeals determined that women are included in the country's legal definition of persons. That historic ruling did away with a narrow interpretation of the law that had kept Canadian women out of the Senate for more than 60 years. The decision also marked an important step on the country's path to gender equality, though it may never have happened in the first place if not for the tireless efforts of five Alberta women. The Dominion of Canada was created in 1867 through the passage of the British North America Act, now known as the Constitution Act. That document essentially functioned as the country's first constitution, outlining the various powers and responsibilities of Canadian provinces and of the federal government. Section 24 of the Act listed the qualifications for being appointed to the Senate of Canada. He had to be at least 30 years old, own property worth at least $4,000, and reside in the province of your appointment. That sounds pretty clear-cut, but one word in the clause became a major point of contention for decades to come. 
Section 24 said that only, quote, qualified persons could be appointed to the Senate. Throughout the document, the word he was used to refer to one person. The gender-neutral word persons was used to refer to two or more people, and the word she wasn't used at all. Consequently, the Canadian government interpreted the word persons in section 24 to mean that only men could be appointed to the Senate. That interpretation was backed by the historical belief that men were meant to govern and women to be governed. The inherent misogyny of that thinking was laid bare in an 1876 ruling that sought to clarify the issue of personhood. Women, it said, are persons in matters of pains and penalties, but are not persons in matters of rights and privileges. And so, as ridiculous as it sounds, women in Canada were not considered persons, at least not in a legal sense, for the first 62 years of the country's existence. Beginning in 1921, Canadian women were allowed to run in federal elections, but the government continued using the persons argument to keep from appointing women to the Senate. Women's groups in Canada spent years pressuring the government to change its opinion, but to no avail. Finally, in 1927, Alberta's first female judge, Emily Murphy, decided to take the matter to the Supreme Court of Canada. She was joined in the fight by four other prominent women's rights activists, Nellie McClung, Louise McKinney, Irene Parlby, and Henrietta Muir Edwards. Together, these women, now known as the Famous Five, were able to take advantage of a little-known provision in Canadian law. It enabled any five citizens acting as a unit to petition the Supreme Court for clarification on any part of the Constitution. The famous five asked the court the following question. Does the word persons in section 24 of the BNA Act include female persons? The Supreme Court debated the matter for five weeks in what quickly became known as the persons case. Then, in the spring of 1928, the court delivered a unanimous ruling. No, the word persons did not include women. The decision was a shocking blow, but the famous five still had one final card left to play. At the time, there was one authority even higher than the Supreme Court of Canada, the Privy Council of Great Britain. Since Canada was a dominion of the then-British Empire, that judicial committee in London could still overrule Canada's highest court. With that hope in mind, the famous five petitioned Prime Minister Mackenzie King to take their case before the Privy Council. He agreed, and on October 18, 1929, the Council delivered its own verdict to a packed courtroom in London. The ruling was read aloud by Lord Sankey, Chancellor of Great Britain, and he did not mince words about his own feelings on the matter. Sankey said, quote, Yes, women are persons and eligible to be summoned and may become members of the Senate of Canada. The exclusion of women from all public offices is a relic of days more barbarous than ours, and to those who would ask why the word person should include females, the obvious answer is, why should it not? The Council's ruling was celebrated not only by women in Canada, but throughout the British Empire. Other countries even followed suit by adopting the interpretation of persons as referring to both men and women. Meanwhile, back in Canada, the first Senate vacancy after the persons case 
occurred four months later in Ontario. Prime Minister Mackenzie King wasted no time in putting the council's decision into action. In early 1930, he appointed Kyrene Wilson to be Canada's first female senator. She held her seat for more than 30 years, earning the title of Mother of Refugees along the way. Thanks to the work of the Famous Five and other like-minded activists, Canadian women now enjoy full participation in public and political life. That includes Indigenous women and women of Asian heritage, two groups that were not initially included in the Privy Council's ruling. In late 2020, the Senate of Canada achieved gender parity for the first time in the nation's history. It didn't last long, but even now, the body has only a slight male majority. The work of the women who made that change possible is now commemorated every October 18th in Canada during a celebration known as Persons Day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team ranking as a top culinary destination in the world be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley, and I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have, hardwired, inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.